don't have enough time to sit down and read all the best Bitcoin articles? Well, let us read them for you. This is a Crypto Economy Quick Read. Welcome back to the Crypto Economy Podcast. Um, I'm going to read one today, doing a quick read from inthemesh.com. Uh, if anybody was keeping up with Consensus 2018, this was actually one of the uh, uh, speeches given and announcements made. But Samurai Wallet and Gotenna have partnered to create TXTenna, Transaction Tenna. And uh, we'll just go ahead and jump into the article on inthemesh.com, and it is titled, Introducing TX Tenna, Decentralizing the Last Mile in Bitcoin. And it's by Richard Myers, posted on May 14th, 2018. We are excited to announce the forthcoming release of the TX Tenna app, a collaboration between Samurai Wallet and Gotenna. To appreciate the significance of this release, it helps to understand what is at stake in decentralizing the communication layer. Immutability, security, and resilience. Decentralized trustless public ledgers, like Bitcoin and other blockchains, are powerful to the extent that they are resilient. Since it launched in 2009, Bitcoin has operated with 99.992266446% uptime. It has been continuously available for users to record new transactions or validate previous ones. Bitcoin's public ledger records transactions. If account A transfers 0.1 Bitcoin to account B, it goes on the ledger. After about an hour or so, there is no way for A, B, or anyone else to remove that transaction from the ledger. The ledger becomes immutable, and the transactions on it are part of a public blockchain forever. The blockchain is replicated on thousands of machines worldwide and continuously re-verified every time a new system joins the network and computes the state of transactions at that time. Maintaining a decentralized, immutable ledger of transactions is not easy, especially in the face of threats up to and including sovereign-level attacks. A centralized entity like Visa, for instance, has huge teams of engineers to design and protect the computer systems that keep track of their customers' credit card purchases. The Bitcoin protocol, on the other hand, is implemented by multiple open-source software projects and developed by a community of mostly unaffiliated developers. All over the world, Bitcoin users deploy this software using different levels of system security to keep their computers safe. If a hacker were to get past Visa's security systems, they could in theory erase or change transactions. To date, there have been no widely known database hacks at Visa itself, but if the company's databases were to be compromised, the only party who would likely know besides the hackers, would be Visa itself. Visa would have a very strong incentive to keep the news confidential, quietly correct the entries, and write off any losses. 
In the case of Bitcoin, all settled transactions are visible, and malicious changes, often simply referred to as double spins, would be immediately visible to everyone in the world should they occur. Another difference? Credit card charges are reversible. Bitcoin transactions are immutable. Visa cardholders can petition the company or appeal to the legal system to reverse a charge on their credit card bill. This is a customer protection feature that most credit cards offer, but it makes the system as a whole vulnerable to payment fraud and damages its overall resilience. Bitcoin defines an attack as any attempt to compromise the central function of a public ledger, which is the immutable public record of settled transactions. It makes no difference how wealthy, well-connected, or powerful a disputant may be. Once the exchange is recorded on the blockchain's public ledger, it is permanent. This is why people say Bitcoin is resilient, even to attacks by nation-states. Uptime From an uptime standpoint, another remarkably resilient system is BitTorrent. This network is used for file sharing and downloading, and although its users routinely run afoul of intellectual property laws, occasionally incurring fines and other penalties, the system as a whole has operated without interruption since 2001. But despite 17 years of uptime overall, BitTorrent has suffered from local attacks against its users. Hollywood Studios and their proxies have continuously attacked BitTorrent, using court orders enforced by internet service providers, ISPs, to block the website's hosting BitTorrent trackers. ISPs with media properties have also attempted to make the BitTorrent protocol unusable by throttling or reducing users' internet speeds when they torrent. These attacks do not cripple the system globally, but they do affect users in the specific areas where these blocks or throttling are effective. Centralization and its discontents. It is clear from a global perspective that Bitcoin has been a remarkable success. The Bitcoin network has over 10,000 nodes worldwide. Its consensus protocol incentivizes decentralization, ensuring the network is robust against a wide range of threats. But for users within localized areas, highly centralized communication networks remain a potential point of failure and a vector for attacks. Just as BitTorrent users have had their sites blocked or their speeds throttled, Bitcoin users could come under similar attack. If a country outlawed Bitcoin and forbade its citizens from using it, local ISPs could block network nodes locally, even if the global system continues to function. ISPs can monitor the activity of their users and pass that information to governments and private firms who might use it to harass identified Bitcoin users. This is not as far-fetched as it may seem. There are documented cases of private law firms targeting BitTorrent users on the basis of information provided by ISPs seeking settlement fees for alleged copyright violations. A similar dynamic is already starting to play out in the world of Bitcoin. The IRS has requested information from Coinbase, the centralized Bitcoin exchange, and we know from Edward Snowden's leaks that the NSA uses data from ISPs to collect information about Bitcoin users. 
Bitcoin users with access to only compromised ISPs face more esoteric threats. J.W. Weatherman describes some of these in his excellent treatise, Bitcoin Threat Model. 2.4.4, an attacker could deceive a Bitcoin node into thinking a transaction did or did not get confirmed. 2.4.5, an attacker could deceive a Bitcoin partial node, an SPV client, into thinking a transaction did or did not get confirmed by the Bitcoin network. Alternate ISP connections reduce both threats. If information comes from different ISPs, it is more likely a user can detect whether one ISP is providing false information about transactions. Mechanisms that make it difficult for attackers to target specific users can also help in a similar way. If many users are attacked simultaneously, it's more likely someone will notice false transactions and alert others. If we expect people to rely on Bitcoin or any other decentralized financial system, we must make sure the local communications networks, mobile carriers, wired ISPs, and the internet hubs that route traffic between cities and countries, etc., are as resilient as possible. More resilient communications networks are those with many alternatives and can include less common channels like satellites, pager networks, amateur radio repeaters, and private microwave connections. Currently, the Bitcoin peer-to-peer network relies heavily on ISPs for internet connectivity. A few large corporations run these services, many of which are regional or national monopolies. These companies have a track record of putting commercial interests above net neutrality, as they did in 2007 and 2008, for example, when Comcast secretly throttled BitTorrent traffic. These systems are centralized making them fragile during natural and man-made disasters. Two months after Hurricane Maria hit Puerto Rico in 2017, 50% of the island's cell sites remained out of service. A major earthquake would likely cause significant disruption to the communication infrastructure of any large city, as happened during the Indian Ocean earthquake and tsunami of 2004. If disasters such as these were to damage cell phone towers, and switching stations, mobile and local internet would no longer function. The blockchain transactions could not be confirmed. This would cripple any economy that relies on existing cryptocurrencies, as merchants would be unable to detect if the funds had already been spent. Double spend attack. This problem is even more pronounced in cases of man-made disasters where infrastructure destruction is likely to be even more extensive and prolonged. What if we decentralize the communication layer? Using Bitcoin or other decentralized public ledger payment systems to provide direct financial aid may have advantages in these situations, but if these payment systems rely on a functioning centralized communication network, their applicability will be limited it is clear that the communication layer itself must become more resilient. This is no small task. Last year, Blockstream took the first step to decentralize the Bitcoin network by starting satellite-based transaction broadcasts. This helps decentralize transaction verification, but does not answer the question of how users can get their transactions to the Bitcoin network in the first place. 
Nick Zabo and Elaine Wu proposed transmitting transactions using shortwave radio to route around censorship. However, this project is still in the prototype phase and it is not currently a consumer-friendly solution. At Gotenna, we have been working on our own contributions to solving this problem. Late last year, we began talks with the team at Samurai Wallet about including Gotenna in their Mule Tools initiative. The Samurai Wallet team are leaders in building advanced mobile Bitcoin wallets. Inspired by Blockstream's satellite, their open source Mule Tools initiative encourages more alternative transaction broadcast methods. We suggested using the free Gotenna SDK to build an app for broadcasting offline Bitcoin transactions via Gotenna Mesh devices. Today we are pleased to announce the Samurai team took our suggestion and went well beyond our expectations. The result is the TX Tenna app. A transaction using the TX Tenna app works as follows. Using the Samurai Wallet app, the user creates a standard Bitcoin transaction and signs it. This is possible while offline and without Wi-Fi or mobile access. The Samurai Wallet app then passes the offline transaction to the TX Tenna app, and TX Tenna broadcasts it to nearby mesh nodes via a paired GoTenna mesh device. Other GoTenna devices in the area relay the transaction until an internet-connected GoTenna node, also running TX Tenna, receives it and forwards it to the Bitcoin network. There are many advantages to this system. The GoTenna mesh is simple, affordable, secure, and produces a remarkably resilient mesh network. Simulations show fewer than 25 randomly placed nodes in a 3x3-mile area are enough to create a well-connected Gotenna network. Other mobile mesh technologies require hundreds of nodes to achieve similar coverage. You can read more about this in our white paper on range and connectivity. Together with the Samurai team, we are enabling an alternative physical communication layer for Bitcoin. The result will be a more resilient, censorship-resistant, and decentralized network. Make sure to follow Samurai and Gotenna for updates and information about how to download TXTenna later this year. And that was our article. Uh, again, this was written by Richard Myers, um, who uh, just does a little bit of a... Uh, profile here at the bottom is a decentralized applications engineer at Gotenna, co-founder of Bytabit AB, and has been interested in both the technology and political implications of Bitcoin for many years. Richard is passionate about tools that empower decentralized societies. Follow him on Twitter at R-E-Myers underscore. Um, so, uh, and I'll, I'll definitely be sure to tag him in this post. Uh, but that was actually one of my most exciting uh, Consensus 2018 speeches, I think, um, just because this is such a cool idea. And uh, uh, what a great... Like, when I first heard about Gotenna, it seemed really interesting, and I love mesh network stuff, but the technology always seems to interest me way more than its implementation because it always seems to fall short. And I keep thinking, you know... There's going to be something, there's going to be something that is interesting enough to make me get involved or 
uh, purchased the product or something. And I looked at Gotenna and it seemed really interesting. But when I saw that it was very low bandwidth connections, like I understood that the low bandwidth is a necessary trade-off to actually create a connected mesh network. And connectivity is a far, far bigger problem than uh, than uh, bandwidth is. Uh, just because without connectivity, who cares what your bandwidth is? If you can't get a connection to it or use the actual mesh network, um, then you might you're you're better off with a 10 kilobytes per second bandwidth and actual connectivity. And they actually go through that in their white paper, which I've read. Um, uh, at least snippets of. I obviously haven't read it in full, but it's definitely worth checking out. There's some really great stuff in there, particularly about range and connectivity and uh, other issues with mesh networks. And it's always been, uh, mesh networking has always been a, something I've been interested in. Uh, but particularly if you're dealing with a high connectivity but low bandwidth network, the use cases for it, the two most obvious in my minds, in my mind, like first, it's messaging. Uh, just getting simple, like text messaging to other people. Um, that's one of the biggest and most obvious use cases. Um, also one that's pretty simple. But this is just like, you know, Bitcoin transactions are small. And this is a really interesting way to decentralize and help spread out that last mile, you know, decentralize the last mile in Bitcoin, in the Bitcoin network, which is, I, I don't know, I just think it's really cool. I like it. Um, and also, I think it, it really goes to show uh, the work that Samurai Wallet has done. Like, it pains me to no end that they still do not have an iOS wallet. So the only time I use Samurai Wallet, because I'm a, mostly an iPhone user here, I mean, I don't have I don't have an Android phone. Oh, actually, I do have an old crap throwaway, but you can't really install apps on it. Um, but uh, uh, the only time I use I actually do use Samurai Wallet on occasion, but it's not on a phone. It's in a Android virtual machine on my computer. That's the only time I'll ever boot one up, and I did it mostly just to try it out. Um, and I think I sent like two bucks or something to it and then just closed it all down and I don't open my virtual machines very often and for some reason my state doesn't save so but uh regardless uh I think I think this is a really interesting use case and it honestly makes me want to finally go get a Gotenna because when I first heard about it I thought oh that's really cool I'll probably never buy one and now I'm like maybe it would be kind of cool to have one of these Sometimes it's really difficult to get me to encourage me to actually spend some Bitcoin, but you never know. This might be this might be worth uh, some tinkering. I haven't done any tinkering in a while with some fun hardware. Uh, so uh, I definitely encourage you to check that out. Go to the website. It's in themesh.com, and uh, there's tons of links in the article to other stuff like the Elaine uh, Elaine U and Nick Zabo's um, proposal, um, the white paper uh, for uh, Gotenna and just kind of MeshNet connectivity. 
a ton of great links, basically, just to do a deeper dive into some of this stuff. And definitely check out both Gotenna and Samurai Wallet. Uh, these guys have made some uh, really, really cool products and software here. And Samurai Wallet has just, I follow them really closely, and they've just done some amazing work in keeping privacy and decentralization as a key goal and staying consistent. There's so many privacy projects that have, I feel like they started with a lot of momentum and everybody was really excited. And then like four months later, it was like they were just done. They had like, they get out some like minor alpha product or something, or, you know, you download the, and compile the stuff yourself off GitHub and then, and then you use it over the terminal window and that's as far as it goes. Um, and I'll still tinker around with that stuff, but nothing, no software that's like that is going to be a robust, usable um, system. And Samurai Wallet has really committed to actually keeping updated, keeping moving, and developing further the privacy options and decentralizing it in crazy ways that may only even hypothetically be very useful one day, but are fail-safes to ensure that we never have to worry about completely losing our operability. And this is a perfectly good example of having an app to broadcast your transaction even when you have no connectivity and you're just reaching out for uh, a mesh network or anybody who's connected out there. And this is exactly the kind of work that makes Bitcoin and the transactional system and network so robust that it is usable anywhere in the world. Um, and we're a long way from that, but this is one of the pieces to making it happen. With that, uh, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at The Crypto Economy and Medium as well. Also, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and share it with all your friends in the crypto space so that they can hear all the best Bitcoin articles and papers and all the great things that are going on in the crypto economy space. Until then, I'll catch you guys next time. This has been the Crypto Economy Podcast. Take it easy, guys. <laughs> <laughs>